The World Health Organization, tracking the rise of anxiety and depression, which often go hand in hand, predicts that in 10 years, anxiety and depression will top all other health conditions as the number one financial burden in the world. Past 10 years, depression has been diagnosed at at twice the rate. Uh, We have doubled the amount of diagnoses of depression than we did 10 years ago. I know, though, that you don't need statistics. You don't need social media. You, I mean, you don't need statistics. You don't need me to tell you that this is real. Like, you got social media. You got friends. You got a mirror. You got your own hearts and minds, you know? Uh, we are increasingly and more constantly an anxious people. Um, I went with DeAndre today, or DeAndre went with me today, uh, one way or the other, to, to um, a time of prayer with, like, a, lo- a local business in town. And it, everybody in the room was probably Gen X or Baby Boomer, except for one um, freshman in college. Everybody else was, was a bit older. I don't know if there's any millennials in the room. Um, and, and I was talking about this a little bit with them, and I had to ask them. I said, is this just behind you? Like, are you guys, because everybody I know that I work with on a daily basis can, can talk about anxiety being persistent and prevalent. Do you all experience that, or is it just behind you? And they were all like nodding their heads, like, yes, we experience it too. This is everywhere. And there are, there are tons of reasons for this, but what I'm interested in tonight is specifically what God has to say to his people about it. What does the way of Jesus look like when it comes to anxiety? What are Christians called to do with it? Because if we're called to be a people with joy, and anxiety steals joy, then we've got to be a people without anxiety. Friends, the Lord is over all things, and He cares for you, so don't be anxious. My hope tonight is that you would not be anxious, and we're going to look at how to do that. Let's pray. Father, send your Spirit, bring your peace. Even as we pray now to you and ask for your help, May the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Would you put up the next slide, Keely? Do not be anxious. Jesus. My guess is that just reading that makes some of us anxious. Yeah? Doesn't even the spelling of the word anxious like look like it's supposed to like do this or something? I don't know. <laughs> do not be anxious. Jesus. L- listen, uh, no matter what else you get from um, tonight, this is shorthand for the entire sermon, right? Do not be anxious because of Jesus. This is shorthand for the whole sermon. I want to say don't be anxious and I'm going to tell you why because, because it's Jesus. That's the sermon. Anyway, let's, let's make it longer now. Um, there it is, right? This is a command out of the mouth of Jesus. Do not be anxious. He says this a number of times. Not once. He says it a number of times. Do not be anxious. Not steward your anxiety better. Manage your anxiety better. Do not be anxious. Why are you anxious? He asks it rhetorically. And it's echoed by other New Testament authors that we as the people of God are commanded not to be anxious. In the original language, uh, which, is, which is Greek here, um, there's, there's really two ideas for this word that are being pulled together, and I think this will help us quite a bit to know what's being talked about. The, the, the root of this word anxious means to part something or to divide something, sometimes to portion out. You get that? What you with me? To take apart something, to divide something. But added to that idea is also this, this, this um, connotation of care or thoughtfulness. And so if you pull these things together for just a minute, 
Do you know what it's like to have your care or your thoughts divided, scattered, unable to attend or focus on one thing or the thing that you think you ought to focus on? Because a part of your attention and your care and your focus is is divided and it's attending to something else instead. Isn't that what anxiety looks like today still? When you're scattered in your thoughts, when you struggle to be present, when the future and things beyond your control grab your mind and your heart and demand your attention? Friends, we live in a world where there are real stressors. There are real anxiety-inducing circumstances and experiences. Every single one of us in this room will experience trial. Every one of us in this room will experience suffering. There are things which frustrate us and come against us. There are things which confound us and leave us spinning. And cortisol will be released into our brain. And we'll want to fight or flee or freeze. Our heart rates are going to rise. We're going to have trouble focusing on anything other than what's given us stress. And we adapt and we respond to the world that we actually live in all the time. And the world that we actually live in, because we are people who are going to respond to the world we actually live in, means that there will be anxiety in our lives. Some of us think that if we can just figure out how to live in a certain way, we can like dodge all of the stressors in this world. If I can just figure out the right life hacks, the, the, the schedule, the, the sleep patterns, the coping mechanisms, the, 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 the I don't know, whatever, the, the dietary things, the exercise, whatever you do, that if we can just live a certain way, we can dodge all the stressors of this world. This is impossible in a world where death still happens and sin is on the loose, friends. Each one of us will experience so many things, probably every day, given the way that Jesus and his disciples talk about anxiety. Probably every single day, We will experience things which are beyond our control and have an impact on our future. And when we encounter those things, we are prone to feel anxious. And the Lord commands us to not be anxious. And now look, when anxiety occurs, you only have two options. When anxiety occurs in your life, you only have two options, only two. One is to be anxious. In English, we often use the word worry, which is a great translation, right? It's not actually in the the, the original language. Um, Every time you see worry in your Bible, it's just anxiety translated well for you in English. Um, uh, If your Bible says worry, that's all it is, right? But but it's it's a great translation um, because of what it means, right? Worry comes to us from a German word, which means to strangle. That's what worry comes from. It's also got a weird sort of secondary definition. It's still in English. I've never heard anybody use it, but it's in Webster. Um, that I could say, and this would be appropriate English, um, that dog is worrying the bone. <laughs> right? That's just sort of a weird use of the word. Yeah, I've never heard anybody use the word that way. But it, it, when applied to a carnivore, it means that they're tearing and gnawing at a thing. The word that has come into our English language, worry, means to, when, it, when it's applied to our thoughts, means to strangle. When it's applied to some external things, means to tear at and gnaw at things. Anxiety that strangles our joy is what worry is. Do you know what that's like to worry about something in such a way that you don't have much joy? That you don't have much peace? 
Can you imagine seeing someone who's overwhelmed with anxiety? And you go, how are you feeling right now? And they go, I don't know, a sense of peace. Like I can't imagine my wife uh, constantly when she goes to bed at night, her, her mind begins to be flooded with thoughts and there are times where she, um, she has trouble turning it off and she's worried about a bunch of things. I, I, I have never in that moment said, are you okay? And she goes, I feel tons of joy. I just also feel worried. Like that's, that's never happened. Worry strangles our joy. It constricts our ability to, to, to experience, to, to, to hold joy. One thing we can do, we actually can do it, and many of us choose to do it, which is one of the reasons Jesus says don't do it. One thing we can do when anxiety is triggered is to be anxious. That is precisely what we're commanded not to do. So if there are only two ways to respond to anxiety and being anxious is one of them, what's the other? And, and for that, let's look at our scripture passage tonight from Philippians chapter 4. JDN read it earlier. I'm just going to read the latter half of it here. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. This is Paul now. Do not be anxious, Paul. <coughs> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, it just means asking for things, uh, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe get to leave that up for just a bit. Do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Do not be anxious, pray. <laughs> pray, this is how I fight my battles. This is what we're supposed to do. Prayer is the Christian response to anxiety. Now stick with me, because it sounds as foolish as other things. Paul doesn't just say, Paul doesn't just say, don't be anxious, pray. He offers us the help that we actually need in his teaching. The Lord is at hand. This is the thing which disarms our anxiety and, and allows us another option. Because in, in response to our anxiety, what we need to know most is that the Lord is at hand. I know that's language y'all don't use, so I'm going to help you understand what that means. It's a loaded phrase. Okay? It essentially means that the Lord is coming and he's going to judge everything. Or another way to say it is that the Lord is over all things. And all things will have to give an account to Him. That's what the Lord is at hand means. He is coming and He stands over all things. Why is that helpful when we are feeling anxious? Because when you're anxious, you're not anxious for no reason. There are things which you care about that are really important and have an impact on your future. A big interview, an illness in your family, a close friend experiencing tremendous conflict, a huge decision in front of you that, that, that you, you actually cannot get enough data to guarantee that one of those is, is actually, evidentially, the best decision. But, but depending on what you do is going to change everything in your future. These things are worthy of care and thoughtfulness, right? I mean, these are... Do you know what I mean? Like if there's a big illness in your family and you are powerless to do anything about it, do you understand? That, that's, a, that's a thing worth care and, and thoughtfulness for. Forgetting about it, positive thinking, massaging tension spots, being grounded in the moment, the, those might allow you to think more clearly, but they don't address 
directly the things that you actually care about. The things which are stirring up anxiety in you. They might help you manage anxiety, but they don't help you get rid of it. In your effort to let go of anxiety, your biggest need isn't to forget or to distract or to employ a few mindfulness techniques. It's to know that this thing which is worthy of care is being cared for by someone who's much bigger than you. We need to know that God is in control and He's coming to set things right, to account for everything. That he's over all things and he's coming soon. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious. The Apostle Peter would add that we can cast our anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for us. Remember last week we learned that there is nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less. Nothing. Not even the stuff that you did between last week and now. We need to know that God is over all things, and we also need to know that He cares for us, right? Like, think about that for just a minute. If God is over all things, but doesn't care for us, isn't that a little terrifying? If God cares for us, but isn't over all things, can I trust that He can offer the help that I need? The Lord is over all things, and He cares for you. Do not be anxious. And now, instead, pray. Anxiety, friends, rejects these things. Anxiety rejects that God is Lord and that He cares. Anxiety takes techniques and tips to help us manage our anxiety often convincing us that if we just had more data and more tools, we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't have to bother Him, right? Because Why? Because He doesn't care about us? Or we, we don't need God, which for some of us, maybe it's because we don't actually believe He's over all things and can't do anything about it. What anxiety does is it accumulates data and, and techniques, coping mechanisms, tools, to help us take care of all these things ourselves. Functionally, it's us wanting the resources of God's kingdom without the king. We, a people who can barely manage our sleeping schedules, want to manage the future. And you know what happens when you do that? It's what always happens. We're focused on things which are beyond our control, and we're trying to carry them alone, and it's crushing us, exposing our impotence, robbing us of joy and peace, and leaving us in shame. Prayer, on the other hand, acknowledges God as Lord and places faith in the fact that He cares for us. You do probably need better sleep, okay? (laughs) Uh, uh, Most of you. Uh, You probably need to exercise, but I shouldn't be the one telling you that. Uh, And omega-3s, okay? Uh, And like to spend time in community um, and to steward your breathing in tense moments. Like all these things are scientifically proven to reduce levels of anxiety. Like those are great things. For those reasons and other, for that reason and other ones, God wants those things for you so much. But what you need more than anything else is to know that God is over all things and he cares for you. He doesn't just want you to manage your anxiety. He doesn't want you to have it. And you don't need it if God is truly over all things and he's truly for you. 
Do not be anxious. Pray. And see every moment of anxiety as divine prompting to pray. Pray with thanksgiving, Paul says. Pray with everything. Look at what you're anxious about. Don't look away from it. And cast it upon the Lord. You are not big enough to carry these things on your own. He is perfectly able and perfectly willing to carry them for you. But you're not going to come to know that very well from sitting in a room and me preaching to you. In the end, you can only come to know that through prayer. We're invited to humble ourselves before the Lord, admitting that we are not God and that our shoulders are not fit to carry the things which bring us so much anxiety and steal our peace and steal our joy. And so we pray. And something happens when we do this. God promises to give us the peace which we ache for so deeply. Isn't that what we really want? Every single time we're wrapped up in anxiety anyway. It's peace and joy. And anxiety is the thing that strangles it. And it's the thing that we want. So we get anxious trying to fight for it. And it strangles it more. The Chinese finger cuffs of anxiety. There's only one way to it. Only one way to peace and joy. Through prayer. And God, who gives us peace, promises to guard our hearts and minds against those things which steal our joy, making us people who, in fact, can be joyful in all circumstances, which I want for you. I think you want for you. I want you to have the joy and peace that you long for. I want it for the world, too, because people should see joy in us and ask us about it so that we can tell them that the one who has come, who cares for them, and is coming soon is coming to address everything that steals our joy and redeem the whole of creation. The joy of the followers of Jesus is to be a trigger for that conversation and for that moment. So I want to close tonight by doing something a little bit ironic. I want to give you some techniques, um, but not techniques which tempt you to think that you can manage all this stuff without God. I want to give you techniques to help you come to Him and ask for help. Techniques which help you find rest for your weary minds and comfort for your aching souls. Techniques to help you pray. For until you pray, friend, you will not know the peace that you long for so much. God wants to give it, and he said he will give it to you. Pray. A friend of mine runs a ministry in town called the Chattanooga House of Prayer. Anybody know about that? Chat hop? Um... Uh, the Chattanooga House of Prayer um, it, it exists, and, and Adam Weitzcarver, who, who is the director of that ministry, exists to teach our city how to pray. And he helped me come up with a list of, of, some, of some things for you guys that might be of some help. Uh, we put the list of five things up here real quick. I'm going to put this on the Instagram and, and uh, Facebook group for students, too, so you don't have to write it down if you don't want to. Um, but first thing, find a partner. Uh, this is going to be real hard for most of you. Uh, find a partner, confess your sins to one another, and pray for each other. The, do you know the Christian norm is to pray with others? You know the Christian norm is actually to read the Bible with others? An alum of the house, um, maybe she graduated about 10 years ago, um, posted online uh, this thing about like asking for help Bible reading. And, and every time I see, I see that happening quite a bit actually. And, and every time somebody says, I really need help reading the Bible, like it's my number one response is, oh, you should try reading it with somebody. I don't even have to give you like a Devo or an outline or the five best questions or the six best things or whatever. The, just read with somebody. It's amazingly fruitful. 
Do you know that, do you know that Jesus promises that when two or more are gathered in his name, he meets them specially, like uniquely? That's a promise we have in Jesus. Just like, I, I, I swear, to, like, read, read the Bible in your quiet times or whatever you call it. That's fantastic. Read the Bible. It's great. I love it. It's great. But read it with others. I'm not talking about Bible reading, though. I'm talking about prayer. Uh, the norm is to pray with others. If you are going to confess your sins to somebody, though, will you please make sure that that person you confess with is spiritually mature and trusted? We can do a lot of damage to each other if we're taking somebody's confession and praying for them and we don't even know what this means. Anyone on our staff would love to pray with you. Anyone on our staff would love to pray with you. Um, if you want help finding somebody else, I would meet with you and just pray with you for God to give us somebody to pray with you, other than me. Uh, I, I, that made sense. I just, that might not have. Okay. Um, uh, look, find a partner. Don't try to do this on your own. God did not tend for us to, to, to live life alone. And every single thing about his kingdom, every single thing about our life is much more difficult alone. Second, learn. Many of us are defeated right at the start because we think we should begin as experts. Right? The disciples who had been following Jesus said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he didn't say, dummies, uh, you should know. You know, he didn't say that. He said, well, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave them this outline that is like both training wheels and PhD level. Uh, those metaphors don't go together, but, you know, I'm on a roll. Um, uh, so listen, like, but, but prayer in some ways is like any other practice. Read a book. You guys don't do that in college, I know, but this is an opportunity for you to read a book. Um, consult an experienced person. Listen to podcasts. Three, practice. Learn what works. Learn what doesn't. Repeat, improve, grow in your capacity for peace. Practice. Why do you think if you have never prayed much or often that you're going to know what that looks like and how to do it and how to sit in it for very long? If you want to know what it's like to, like, uh, to, 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 um, to practice a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To learn humility in, in, a, in, a, in a weird discipline. Um, some of you have tried this before, but just try to be silent for 10 minutes. And for most of us in our world today, that's crazy difficult. And we don't even know how to do it. Which, I mean, which is obnoxious and weird to think about in some ways. Like what? That, we have so little stewardship over our own bodies and minds that being silent for 10 minutes is a kind of suffering. <laughs> right? But, but doesn't it, it feels that way for most of us. We have times sometimes on Tuesday nights where I invite people to spend like a minute confessing their sins. And it's like tick, tick, tick. You know, it's like one minute. It just feels like forever. Uh, prayer two is a little bit like this. Um, if you have not prayed much, don't assume that you know what you're doing right away and you're going to need to practice for a while. Four, surrender in prayer what's wrong and what you need to deal with. Five, this is one nobody's going to want. Give up or resist any cares of the world and riches which choke out the word of God in your life. Usually, anything which just helps you cope instead of heal. Look, friends, uh, I, my friend Adam is, uh, uh, is gifted in prayer, um, and God has anointed him to teach our city how to pray. Uh, and I spent time working with him, thinking about things that would be good for you too. These things would be of tremendous help. I want to encourage you to take these seriously. The peace that you desire, the peace that you desire cannot be had on this side of prayer. 
It comes through it. We don't grasp it. We pray God gives. It's what he does. The peace that you want is only going to happen through prayer. And these things might, might help you pray. But if that's not helpful for you, the basic point is to pray. And every time you experience anxiety, I said this before, I want to say it again. Every time you experience anxiety, see it as a prompt from the Lord to pray. Jesus said, do not be anxious, friends. Why do you worry? And one of the main works of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to remind us of the things Jesus said. And so I do pray that the next time you are triggered by something uh, with anxiety, I pray that you hear the voice of the Spirit that says, Jesus said, don't be anxious. Paul said, the Lord is at hand. I don't need to be anxious. Peter said that God cares for me. I don't need to be anxious. Why don't I see that as an invitation to pray? When it comes to anxiety, the way of Jesus is prayer. In everything, by prayer and in all your needs with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Friends, the Lord is over all. He cares for you. Don't be anxious. Let's pray. Father, send your spirit now. Be true to your word. Be good to us. Remind us that you are over all and that you care for us. And even as we come to your table in a moment, drive home the truth um, that we know best how you are over all and we know best how you care for us in your son Jesus, who right now is at your right hand. All things are being brought under his feet. And he's doing all of this for us. Thank you, Lord. Give us peace. Amen.